Hey, welcome to Recharting Your Life with Hope. I'm Hope Cook, creator and host. If you feel stuck, restless, overwhelmed, or dissatisfied with your current life, despite your life looking pretty good on paper, or at least on social media, I can totally relate. Together, we'll figure out how to take the next right step. I'll interview women who are a little farther along on the path and get tips and ideas from them. I definitely don't have it figured out, so I'll share the ups and downs of my own journey with you. Let's get started because life is too short to waste in autopilot. If you want to be the best possible version of you, you're in the right place. Before I let y'all hear the interview that I did with April Farlow, I wanted to remind you that I'm going to make a big announcement in a bonus episode on Saturday. So I want you to subscribe so you'll be sure and listen to it. It is about a career shift, so I can't wait to tell you all about it. You'll get all the juicy details on Saturday. Here we go. Hey, everybody. Today we have April Farlow. April has been a a corporate trainer Mm -hmm. for 15 years, and she was telling me she's recently had a few pivots in her life. And as y'all know, we love pivots, and I love hearing how women (laughs) sort of felt that pull and how they listened to it and started taking steps in a new direction. So April, Mm -hmm. I'm guessing everything was going along just fine. And then what happened? So um, I really had my dream job. I think that's really important to say. Um, I did corporate training and I worked for Dale Carnegie Training. Yes. Um, that was a generational thing. So my great-grandfather took the course. Really? Um, my mom was an instructor and practiced teaching me so that she could become an instructor with my baby dolls when I was 11. I did not know that. <laughs> and then... Um, I became an instructor when I was 22. So I was the youngest instructor in Georgia at the time. Um, And, and it just made sense. It was, it was really, it is the dream job, one that I had wanted my entire life. But the challenge really came, there was, there was a definite day when it all changed for me. Um, And so I think a lot of us have those moments. Um, So I had done training all through kind of like my single adult life, if you will. Uh Uh-huh. And had, um, I had a five week old and there was an account that if I did not go and do the class, we were going to lose. And it was a company I really liked and I had trained for. And I thought I can do that. It's one day it will be fine. And, um, I was gone from my five week old for 17 hours. Oh my gosh. And you're still not sleeping. And I don't know if you were breastfeeding, Mm -hmm. but I was breastfeeding. I was going into the Mm. corner, you know, corner room and pumping and doing all the things. It was, it was just a very defining day for me. Mm -hmm. Um, And the reason it was so defining is that I had chosen the path of being a corporate trainer very intentionally because I knew that I could work and have a, you know, so real job, if you will, that mm-hmm. was, um, and I, I thought, well, that's a great way I could train a couple of days a week, mm-hmm. um, and be home a lot of the days. And so it was a very intentional plan to pick that career path. And I loved it. Um, but on that day, the big shift happened that 
um, I worked full time at that point and was planning to go back full time from maternity leave. You didn't even and, get a maternity leave. Um, if you were going back after five weeks. <laughs> well, I only went, I only went back for that one day okay. at the five week mark. That was just to cover that one account. But on that day, it really made me question that drive back and forth to Atlanta um, yeah. on an ongoing basis. And so um, I did go back to work. I did work from home a good bit, um, but it did. It was the beginning of a shift for me. Mm-hmm. And um, I ended up going completely contract so that I only taught classes on an as needed basis. And so I could pick and choose what worked with the schedule for my kids. Mm-hmm. Um, and that went on for another um, five years. Yeah. Uh, me doing work on a contract basis, maybe a little bit longer than that. And, um, and then another shift happened. <laughs> I think we all have multiple things. Um, but I had trained a group of foster kids. Um, yeah. That was part of the training that uh, we donated to an organization that was helping kids who were aging out of foster care. And you were teaching them how to get up in front of people and talk? No, in this particular case, I was teaching them how to create a vision for their life. Oh. And so um, I met with those kids and it just, it broke my heart. That's, okay. that's all I can say looking back. And so um, I did, I really didn't do anything about it for quite a while. But once I had a baby, I just kept thinking to myself, what happens to these baby? What happens to these kids? Yeah. And I was specifically drawn to what happens to these kids when they age out of foster care. Uh-huh. Um, and so it just planted another seed, another like, hmm, what am I going to do with that? So um, when those kids turn 18, they're done with government funding, right? They don't have to be. Um, they don't have to be. There are some great opportunities for them in foster care. The problem is many of them don't choose those opportunities. Okay. And by the time they realize that they've made poor choices, they have a hard time going back into the system. Mm -hmm. And so we are often um, working with young adults who've had a hard time in the system. Mm -hmm. Um, So um, all of this prompted me to start a nonprofit and all at the same time doing speaking. So I had my hat, like I was wearing three major hats, Mm -hmm. um, doing corporate training, doing motivational speaking, and then actually four hats, I guess, being a mom, thinking I'm going to be a stay-at-home mom, right? Yeah. And and I started a nonprofit, all kind of in the same same area. How long ago was this? So all of this was going on. I started the nonprofit when my daughter was um, five five months old, and she is turning six next week. So it's been about five years. Um, But but I would say a time that was kind of a breaking point that prompted me to really bring it all together and understand what this was all about happened during COVID. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think we all had to do some re some soul searching during mm-hmm. that season. Um, so my husband works for Walmart and so he never had a day off during the entire quarantine. Oh my gosh. <laughs> That's punishment. And, and, I know, I know. And going into quarantine, if I'm completely honest, I was, I was really at a breaking point Mm -hmm. that I didn't realize I was at. Um, But it was again, wearing all of those different hats. And so I remember being at bingo night at the school when there was like whisper of they're about to close the school for two weeks. Yeah. Uh, And I remember thinking, 
no, I was like, sweet, we're going to have two weeks oh. be a staycation. <laughs> this is going to be awesome. And that's funny now, isn't it? Like two that is weeks. Funny. That's funny. Um, so for two weeks, I actually had a lot of fun with the staying home yeah. um, because my husband was at work and I was just playing with my kids all day and giving them attention that I had wanted to do. Uh-huh. Um, but two weeks into quarantine, I was losing my mind yeah. um, at the end of it. And so I, um, I started hanging posters up on the wall <laughs> and coming up with new training modules that I could do. I thought you were going to say that said help. <laughs> no, no, no. They were like big post-it note pages. Oh, okay. And so you were brainstorming. Yes. And I have an adult child who lives with me. And so I was like, look, every time you get an idea, we're going to take a post-it note and we're going to hang it on the wall. And so we had these big, huge poster boards all over the house. I love it. And I was thinking, okay, these are going to become my next training modules. They're going to become my next training videos. Yeah. I'm going to video myself, record it. I didn't know what I was going to do with it, but I was keeping myself busy and trying to just be on purpose. And it's fair to say corporate training and most motivational speaking shut down. Um, and, and after about a month, it was very clear that it was not coming back very quickly. Yeah. Um, it's just now starting to come back. Actually, I do have a question about your motivational speaking. How did you sure. come up with topics normally? Like when you were going to speak to a company, how did you? So a lot of the companies, when I was doing the corporate training, they would ask for a speaker and the, the topic would be predetermined. Okay. Um, so I would say that I did a whole lot with change, a lot on leadership, a whole lot on values mm-hmm. and how you um, lead from a value perspective. Um, and I ended up doing a fair amount of training women. Okay. Um, so doing women's leadership academies and things like that. And were your giant sticky notes around the house completely different than what you'd been doing or were they along the same lines? No. Um, so I was so often with the quantity given the content that I had to teach. And then I would add in a lot of information. Mm-hmm. I decided in that to start capturing my what I was adding in so that I could make some of some videos for myself okay that makes um, sense. so it was it was just a small shift there um and, and the funny thing in hindsight is I kept putting these post-it notes all over the walls and I actually said to Maria who was quarantined with me I said um I'm gonna do this and I'm gonna film videos because I'm really comfortable speaking mm-hmm. but I I really need a book because that's how you often get motivational speaking opportunities. Mm-hmm. And I said, but I could never write a book. So I'm just going to put all these ideas up on the wall <laughs> to make training videos. And um, God has a really funny sense of humor sometimes. Yeah. Um, so there was one book that I was most intrigued with. Um, and I even handed it to Maria. And I said, if I were going to write a book, this is the format I would use. So let's think about this for training videos. Okay. And um, Two weeks later, the guy who wrote that book posted on social media, if you've ever wanted to write a book, (laughs) this is the editor who helped me. This is who you need to call. That is crazy. (laughs) And I was like, okay, that's funny. That's funny. Um, So it was a really interesting time because um, I've always wanted to write a book. I just think I was capable of it. Yeah. And also I was making no money during COVID mm-hmm. um, and it cost money to hire an editor. Yeah. Um, and yet I just really felt pulled to make this shift mm-hmm. um, to do more speaking engagements rather than corporate training. And in remember, order to, 
Sorry. I'm sorry. Do you no. remember what that pull felt like? Like, was it a sense of um, urgency or a sense of dis-ease with what you were doing, discontentment or excitement when you're moving towards this new thing? You know, I think part of it is I turned 40 in the middle yeah. of all of this. And I started thinking, if I am still teaching the same corporate classes when I'm 50 uh -huh. that I've done since I was 22, then I don't think I would define that as growth. Yeah. And I was pushing all these other women to growth, but I felt like, where's mine? Yes. And so the, um, there was that, it was just uh -huh. like, I think the age, but also, um, I found that when I was going to do a corporate training event, there were some topics that would really make me get excited. Mm -hmm. There were other topics that I had just done so many times that it almost felt like I was just kind of going on repeat. Yeah. And so, but when I got asked to give a motivational speech and I got to really customize it for the audience and mm -hmm. I would stay up at night, um, thinking about it and planning it. Yes. And it's exactly what I teach about. Actually, it's quiet enthusiasm. Mm -hmm. We teach what and we need. I bet you heard yeah, yourself yeah, yeah. say that so, so many times. And so when you, when you stay up at night thinking about an idea, that's quiet enthusiasm. And I started having that in a different direction than where I was working every day. Interesting. At yeah. the time, did you see all this going on and, and really, were you aware of it or was it later that you were like, yeah, that was a growth period. And. Um, I think I was definitely aware that there was a shift happening. Cause I think the whole world was aware that there was a shift happening. Yeah. Um, but I will also say, um, I, we were looking at doing online training mm -hmm. and I went through that certification process thinking, let me go with, go down this track. Let me yeah. do this. Um, so I, I was, even though I felt pulled, I was still kind of rolling with the motion of doing the same thing mm -hmm. because I didn't know what to do with it. Yeah. Um, so it took some, some time to, it, it, it took some time to clarify, I guess is the best way to say it. Yeah. And when you saw that ad on Facebook, did you contact the editor or did that just sort of plant I did. a seed? <laughs> no, I did. <laughs> um, I, I contacted, um, I made the phone call. We talked for a while. Um, I learned about, you know, what investment was required to do it. I talked to my husband. Um, we decided it was a risk that if I was ever going to take it, then uh -huh. now is the time, even though financially it did not make sense right then. Yeah. Which is something that I think a lot of times great risk does not make sense in the moment. Yes. Um, and so I did, and I, I did a day seminar with the editor mm -hmm. and I mapped out a book outline. Um, and I am not finished writing the book, but I am in process of writing the book. That is awesome. Yeah. And I just got to do my first motivational speaking engagement specifically around content for the book last week. So that is things awesome. are, things are happening. Yeah. And when you did that first talk, were you just sort of tingling with excitement and did you feel like it was right? So this is the thing. I have two corporate training events coming up and they are the ones that, that pay, right? Uh -huh. They're the bread and butter right now. Yeah. But I could not stop working on uh -huh. the one that's my passion. I, um, yeah. it, it kept me awake and alive and just breathed life into me again. It's been so exciting.
That is a, just a sure sign that you're on the right path when you feel that excitement and your family members could probably see it too. Oh, like, and, and I will say I have a husband who has been willing to go big for me. Um, oh. And that's been really nice. And I often work with women um, when they are stuck, when they are in a mm-hmm. situation where I'm coaching them towards their vision and they need a support system because they don't have that. Um, yeah. So I do... I do acknowledge that I have a real blessing there. Yeah. Um, I'll say this, that um, it can, sometimes you can second guess your, your pivot also. Yeah. Um, so I'll, I'll tell you, I, I hired this book editor and we, we met um, and then I came home and I was like, I'm going to write, I'm going to write like crazy. <laughs> also, also, this is a pivot from corporate training to doing faith-based speaking okay. to faith-based book. Um, so I have to actually find a whole new audience, which is that's true. Um, also means that I'm um, starting in the beginner realm where mm-hmm. I was considered when it came to corporate training, I, I, I was someone who got called in for the harder clients, you know, so mm-hmm. like it's really taking 25 steps back, if you will. Um, and, and it would be easy to question yourself a lot of times during the way, but so I hired the editor, met with her, did the outline and had legitimately the worst case of writer's block. You can even imagine, which is also hard, right? Cause you're telling your family, I know we, I know we invested in this and now I can't do anything with it. Yes. Um, and so the name of the book is daddy's girl. Uh Um, and and it takes ideas that I learned from my dad. Uh Um, it combines them with a lot of the foster kids I've worked with yeah, and it gives a lot of advice from corporate training that wow. I have used to coach the kids. And so, um, as I started writing, I just he- kept feeling like this pool that wait, it is not your turn yet. You just need to wait. And were you like, but so, I paid all this money, but I paid exactly, <laughs> exactly. Um, which is really, and it's scary. Um, but so, um, I went back to what is comfortable for me. Uh-huh. And so I invited 30 friends to come together and I actually, instead of writing the book, taught classes oh. with content. Um, and so our mutual friend was in that group. Um, and, and that allowed me to really beta the content mm-hmm. and it made me push harder to write the book because I realized that there was depth to what I wanted to write about. Yeah. And I realized that there was bite, that like people were staying long after the class to talk about it. So I knew that there was something good. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I still couldn't write. I came home <laughs> and I still had writer's block. <laughs> um, and I, again, I just kept hearing, wait, it is not time yet. And again, the, t- the name of the book is Daddy's Girl. Um, and that's really to point people from their earthly father to their heavenly father, which ties mm-hmm. that corporate training together with my dad and, and, and a lot of pieces. So one thing that I think is important in this change is that um, I met with the book editor in May of 2020 mm-hmm. and in May of 2021, uh, my dad passed away. Oh. Um, and I'll, I realize now that that weight was intentional and it was on purpose mm-hmm. because I needed that time with my dad while he yeah. was here. And so I would tell anyone who's in the middle of a change, if you are feeling pulled, trust the pull. Yeah. Um, because it did not make sense to sit and wait when I've paid this money and I'm, yeah. um, but since my dad passed, that's been two months now. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't stop writing. Oh, wow. Um, and so I'm just, it, it, 
if there's a weight, there may be a reason there's a weight, I would say. Yeah. Um, and it's been yeah. the most healing process to write now because I can use this pain that I'm in for a lot of purpose. Wow. I love that. Yeah. It all kind of came together. It did. And so you're almost done with the book. I would say I'm about halfway there. Okay. Um, but I baited it. Yep. We're, we're going to get there. <laughs> Um, and, and now really looking to speak about it and tell people the story. So, um, it's starting to happen. It has been a slow journey, but I feel like it's been an intentional one. Mm -hmm. And so you're still doing some of the corporate stuff. I am. I'll be doing it tomorrow night. (laughs) (laughs) But then you're also testing the waters with your own material now. So I will say that one shift that's happened, I am doing, no classes where that are someone else's content anymore. Okay. Wow. So I'm, I have, I have made the pivot that when I do corporate training, it is my content. Yeah. Um, That's good. Does that feel better? You know, um, I'm never going to say that feels better because I believe in Dale Carnegie training to, Mm -hmm. because it changed my life. It really did. Mm -hmm. So I actually still make a lot of referrals to people who, and I say, you, you need to go and take one of these classes. I just, and I may teach them again someday. I just know that for right now, um, I, if I was going to continue to push people to change, I had to be willing to do what I was coaching other people for. Mm -hmm. Yes. And that's hard. (laughs) Yeah, that is hard. You had to show up, you know, and, and do the work. And, and get uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So then, okay. So how about your family? They're back in, they're going to go back to school. Oh, listen, I'm so excited. <laughs> I know, me too. <laughs> um, I have loved having my kids home, but I feel like I will have a chance to write with focus. So right now I can only write in like a one hour increment. Yeah, I know. Um, but it will be nice to have a little bit of time to actually get creative. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When you're forced to do that one hour, you know, like I'm up here, hold up in my closet and I'm like, don't bother me. And then you sit out and exactly. you're trying to calm down and get in parasympathetic mode so you can write. And <laughs> you know, I, th- I think, I think so many women I know right now are in this phase where they're saying, oh, I'm just, and they always call whatever the work they're doing a hobby. Um, because it, it's, And I I think that's so interesting because I think it's, we're we're actually pretty amazing when you think about women who are trying Mm -hmm. to juggle so many different things. Yeah. Um, When I teach about time management, I always say, if you need to know how to get a lot done, look at a mom. That's true. Um, Because we, you are, you're saying, okay, I'm going to skip my time with my kids tonight. I'm going to focus on doing what I'm intentionally, you know, the podcast and that. I mean, I think it's, it's amazing to watch women when they're doing what they want to do, their passion, mm-hmm. but we just kind of find a way. Mm-hmm. You're right. We do say just, and we kind of poo-poo it and mm-hmm. we play small and, and, and we're not, um, mm-hmm. we're, we're doing really big things. Yeah. I, so your book, will it kind of talk about some of that? Yes, absolutely. And one of the things it talks about is just our belief in ourselves. Mm-hmm. So when I pulled the 30 women together, um, I asked them to write down what are the words that in your inner voice you use to describe yourself. Mm-hmm. 
And I was just stunned at how negative they were. Yeah. And then I asked them, describe, like on the other side of the paper, now would you describe your five best friends? And they were almost, I would say 90% positive. Yeah. And um, it, it's very telling to me that um, we have to really work on how we see ourselves mm-hmm. to believe enough to go chase whatever the vision is or the next step. Yeah. And so I will definitely, I will write a lot about that. Yeah. And I think, I think women do need to hear it over and over. They need to read it. They need to attend workshops or classes or whatever it takes to get that message sort of drilled into their brains that I'm worth it. Hope I had a moment in doing corporate training, but for a woman who might be listening to this, I think is worth telling. Um, I had a lady who was in one of my classes. She was a physician. Um, If she was 30, she was in her very early Mm thirties. She had a PhD in addition to her um, wow. being a physician and had done incredible research. I mean, it was mind blowing her resume and I was doing a workshop on vision and I looked over and I'd been meeting with her, you know, for a couple of weeks and I looked over at the end of the class and she was still sitting in her chair. Everybody had been dismissed and she was crying. Oh, and I walked over and I said, what, what's going on? And we sat down to talk and she said, I don't know what my vision is. I don't know where I'm going from here. Wow. She'd been stuck on that track, I guess, and for I, so long. I said, I said, relax, enjoy the success you have. Um, and she said, but when you've been so focused on a goal for so long, mm-hmm. it's hard to shift gears. Yeah. And women are focused on a lot of different things, whether it's our family or a job or doing both, that it can be really hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even if it's being a mom, like just shifting, you know, when your kids move off, or if you decide to work outside the home, just changing your role completely changes how you see yourself. And, and realizing that what you did in the home gives you credibility with where you're going next. Mm-hmm. A lot. Um, and um, an example of that, when I've worked with women who are going through transition to go back to the workplace and been coaching them, one of the things that I see that women will do that is a mistake, um, I see them write on resumes, CEO of the whatever household, mm-hmm. and skip over the fact that they were president of the homeowners association, mm-hmm. they were active in the PTA, they served on this volunteer committee, and those things are what you need if you're looking to re-enter the corporate mm-hmm. world and they qualify you more than you might think. That's um, true. So I would encourage anyone to start looking and seeing what all have you done and give yourself credit for it. Mm-hmm. That's true. And so I want to pivot too to the um, nonprofit you started, the mm-hmm. Lydia's Place. So tell... Oh. Yes. Tell me about that. So you, you said the seed was planted a long time ago. How long did it take before you actually started it? There was a nine-year gap between when I wow. met those kids. <laughs> I'd, I'd like to brag that I ran out and did something about it, but it took me a long time. Wow. Um, what finally led you to, gap. what finally led you to take that first step and do the paperwork and start the nonprofit? I was teaching a class. <laughs> and it was on vision development. So that was for and the foster kids. 
No, I was oh. teaching a, a corporate vision. I taught vision development in a lot of different okay. areas. So I was actually doing this for a, a, a class in Athens. Um, it was a class on vision development. And um, at a graduation for that class, a man came up to me and he said, well, what's your vision? And if I'd been honest with him, I would have said it's to get home and nurse my baby right now because <laughs> like it was my first class back after having a little one yeah, and um, my second um, biological child. And, and, but I said, well, I said, I'm a teacher. I get a pass, you know, I kind of laughed it off. And he said, no, I want to know what's your vision. And I said, oh, someday I'm going to help do something with foster care. And, and he said, well, can you go to lunch? And no joke. I was like, no, I have to get home to my babysitter. Wow. Um, but we did end up going to lunch and he did prompt me to just start a women's prayer team. Uh-huh. And I met with, I just gathered up some people who weren't even my closest friends. Some of them were my close friends, but some of them were not, mm-hmm. um, who were interested in foster care and, or were foster parents or were adoptive moms. And I, we met once a month for eight months Once and a we month just prayed like what what to do mm-hmm. what to do wow. um and I can remember one night not one single person showed up to the meeting <sighs> and so I was like I've definitely screwed up you know <laughs> I, I got this all wrong <laughs> and, um, but I um I did I was very I, I will say I did a lot wrong but I did stick with it and I did I was persistent yeah and um so in 2017 um, I finally felt as though there was a niche, a place where we needed to serve that was unique, that no other nonprofit was doing. Mm-hmm. And I filed for the 501c3 then. Oh, wow. And so Lydia's Place provides housing support. Is that right? For, mm-hmm. for homeless? So in, yeah. So in Athens, we have 20 bedrooms where we can house young adults. Um, and, and just to clarify why that's important is that even if a, even if a young adult has a job and is making a decent you know, paycheck, they may not have a parent who can co-sign for them. That's true. Um, and so we realized that there was a gap. And so we partnered with two other nonprofits and we share, um, share a place for housing for these young adults. And then we also do a basket campaign every year where, mm-hmm. um, you just think about aging out of foster care and going off to college which is an Amir. I mean, it's really, yeah. it's astonishing that these kids can do that anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're doing it with no little or none. Um, when we look at parental support mm-hmm. and I mean, I joke and say my mom all, but I mean, I, my room, I had every towels were monogrammed when I was going <laughs> to college, I was spoiled. <laughs> these kids yeah. are going to college oftentimes on a scholarship, but they don't even have sheets for their dorm bed. Yeah. I mean, they don't have somebody to take them to target and drop $500. Nope. Nope. And so um, we provide baskets and we've been able to do that for over 20 colleges around the state of Georgia. Oh my gosh. Um, So the baskets go far and wide and they are there to welcome these young adults when they get to college. Yeah. And it has all their dorm essentials and things that they need. And it's also a chance for them to blend in. Yeah. Um, Because you think about it, they don't want to broadcast to the world that they didn't have, you know, this is their chance to kind of go independent. So it's our chance to try to give them one more shot to blend in. April, that's amazing. And don't you feel like serving is one way that you, is your bucket filled up when you're doing work like that? It is so filled. Um, Mm -hmm. And I'll tell you, uh, because I know that a lot of the people who listen to your 
uh, are in your following are women and moms. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll tell you that there's a mom guilt classified just for April, I think. Um, <laughs> and that is that like a lot of times women who are going to work feel as though they're contributing to their family financially. And so it makes sense. Mm-hmm. And there are moms who stay home and they feel I'm very, very focused on my family. Yeah. And so that's how they're contributing. You can only imagine the insanity of my family when, or how they looked at me when I have a six month old and I say, I really think I'm going to start a nonprofit. Yeah. And I've, and I've planned my whole career to do corporate training so that I can be home with my kids a lot. Yeah. It didn't make any sense, but (laughs) can look back now and see that one of my top values is empowerment and everything that I've been doing does just that. It empowers people. Mm -hmm. Um, but there's no amount of explanation or guilt. Sometimes you feel called to do something and there is no explanation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Exactly. When you have a little baby at home, it doesn't make sense, but you also can't rest until you listen, at least listen to it and kind of follow that curiosity. I hope I'll tell you a moment that, that, you know, we all look for clarity and I was um, feeling guilty one day that mom guilt um, because I wasn't volunteering at vacation Bible school (laughs) and I was doing something with Lydia's place. And my friend was the volunteer for my daughter's group. And I I mean, I really did. I had a lot of mom guilt around the fact that, you know, every chance I got to meet with a donor, I went. Yeah. And so that, that meant hiring a babysitter and paying for a babysitter and not being with my kids and all the things, um, and not making money while I was doing it. Um, my daughter was at vacation Bible school and they were telling a story, um, of someone who was hungry and needed something to eat. And my then four-year-old raised her hand and said, well, if there's somebody hungry, they just need to call my mommy Oh, because she helps people. (laughs) And and I tell you that because in that exact moment, my friend called me immediately and told me about it. She was on the prayer team for Lydia's place, but it's like, it's important that our kids are watching us Mm -hmm. and we can empower them by what we tell them, but that we can also empower them by what they see. Yeah. And my kids have seen me chasing a dream and now they're different because of it. That's true. So, And if you could go back and tell yourself that breastfeeding <laughs> mom with the five <laughs> week old, what would you tell her if you could give her some advice? I would say you're going to get where you're going, but you don't have to do it all today. Mm-hmm. You can take small intentional steps that will get you where you want to go um, Mm -hmm. and not miss the journey. Because I think we often focus on the end game, Mm -hmm. but there's a lot of beauty in the journey to get there. Yeah. Amen to that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, tell our listeners where they can find you. Um, You can find um, information about me at um, aprilfarlow.com. So it's F-A-R-L-O-W. All right. And it has um, videos on there. Y'all can check out um, her links to or her video about Lydia's place and all the things. Yes. Hope. Thank you so much for taking time to, to talk. Thank you. This has been so much fun. That was so good, April. Thank you. All right. Here's her take home points. All right. Number one. 
great risk often don't make sense. Whatever it is you feel called to do may not make any sense to you in the moment. The timing may feel all wrong. Pay attention when you feel the need to wait. It might be intentional and it may be sent to you for a reason. Trust the initial pull, but also trust the wait, even if it doesn't make sense. Number two, notice when things keep you awake at night and get you so excited you can't stop thinking about it and working on it. Number three, ask yourself, if I'm still doing the same thing 10 years from now, how would that feel? Does the thought of continuing along the same path create joy or do you feel like you need to start growing in a new direction? And that could apply to your career, your relationships, your health. Number four, pain can be used for a purpose, like when April had writer's block for a year before her father died. Then her pain acted as a fuel for her writing. Number five, you're going to get there. You don't have to take all the steps today. Take small, intentional steps instead of running full speed ahead. This will allow you to enjoy the beauty of the journey. Number six, pay attention to whether or not you're playing small. Are you using words like just or little to describe what you do? What kinds of words does your inner voice use to describe you? We have to work on how we see ourselves in order to believe in ourselves enough to go after whatever it is. Hey, y'all. Thanks for listening today. I really appreciate it. If you know someone who could benefit from hearing this episode, please share it with them. I would also love it if you would leave a review on Apple iTunes. That helps me reach more people. So please do it. And lastly, if you want more of what you heard today, you can go on over to my website at hopethepa.com. And I have created this little amazing free ebook called Your Guide to Hacking the Life Machine. And you can sign up for my weekly newsletter. It has lots of yummy things in it. All right, y'all take care and I will see you next week.